Everyone you know sniffling, sneezing, and coughing these days? Well, you're going to want to listen to today's episode. Welcome to Living a Nutritious Life. I'm your host, Carrie Glassman, and today is all about a stronger, more resilient immune system. Joining me today is the trailblazing thought leader in functional medicine, Dr. Jeffrey Bland. We'll dive into what he calls immunorejuvenation in today's episode, a revolutionary approach to invigorate our body's defenses by fostering the growth of immune cells. Dr. Bland shares his insights on the powerful benefits of Himalayan tartary buckwheat, You heard that right. Himalayan tartary buckwheat, an ancient superfood that contains over 150 different flavonoids, which are key to immune support. We also discussed the critical role of gut health and the intricate relationship between pre and probiotics and why nurturing our microbiome is essential to our well-being. So if you're eager to take a proactive stance on your immune health, you don't want to miss this. And as always, please rate, review, and share this podcast with friends if you love it. And don't forget to check out the show notes for more info on Dr. Bland and links to topics discussed in today's episode. So thank you, Dr. Jeffrey Bland, um, for being here today. I'm so excited to have you. Uh, It was funny, as the father of functional medicine, when I met you finally last February, I believe, at IHS, I couldn't believe that I'd never met you in person before. So that was such a treat to meet you then, such a treat to have you on the podcast today. So thank you so much for being here. Well, it was my treat, and uh, I've been looking forward to this with great anticipation. And I guess we'll probably see one another again in February at the next IHS. So, absolutely, absolutely, to, uh, I'm I'm excited about that. Um, it's always, yeah, it's always a great event. Um, all right, so let's dive in here. I think that many people out there have no idea what immunorejuvenation is. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that today. Um, And, you know, as I've already mentioned, uh, Jeff is, again, the, I mean, the, the person in functional medicine, the person behind the whole notion of food is medicine. And really, again, the leading authority, I would say, in functional medicine. And you're just such a wealth of knowledge. And I'm so excited to learn from you. And I'm so excited for our listeners to learn from you today about this term uh, that you have coined, immunorejuvenation, which I'm sure some people may be familiar with, but I'm sure there's many people out there that are not familiar with. But I kind of want to just go back a step and just talk about immune health in general for a moment, um, just to sort of refresh some people's memories if they aren't aware. I mean, I think people's understanding of immune health is there's a wide spectrum of what people understand and know. So just as a little refresher for people, we know the immune system is designed to defend the body against foreign or dangerous invaders. Um, These invaders can be microorganisms such as bacteria, viruses, parasites, cancer cells. And many people, and I'm curious if you agree, also know that the immune system has to be able to distinguish between what belongs in the body, right, and what does not belong in the body. And I think also many people know that there's a normal immune response. And then there are cases of this autoimmune response. And then there's also immunodeficiency. And then there's allergic reactions. So kind of just wanted to lay that 
out there because now I want to ask you, <laughs> what do we know about the immune system as it relates specifically to longevity? So really, what's the immune system's role in longevity? Well, thank you. And once again, it's a privilege to have the chance to, um, to play jazz with you here and have this discussion because I think this uh, topic of immunity has risen up now probably on the on the heels of SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19 of being one of the more dominant and important issues that we are addressing, not only as individuals, but as a global population. And uh, I think what you said about the immune system is absolutely correct, but there is another part of it that has been often kind of neglected to be discussed, and that is the immune system does more than just defend us against foreign bacteria, viruses, and transformed cells. Uh, the the uh, immune system is operating 24-7, 365 uh, as one of the only two systems in the body that's sampling the outside world and telling the inside body how it should respond, the other being the nervous system. And the immune system and nervous system work together uh, very intimately to create our body's response to how we are going to look, act, and feel over the years of living. And so the immune system is, is certainly there to defend us against infection, but it's also there to recycle dead tissues. It's there to remodel our, our cells in our body that really reside in virtually every tissue and every organ. And as the harder we look, the more we find the immune system is everywhere. We have an immune system in our muscles. We have an immune system right. in our liver. We have an immune system in our brain. We have an immune system, obviously, in our gut. That's where more right. than 60% of our immune system is clustered. So the, the immune system, I, the skin, I mean, I could go on and on, multiple right. organs. So it has a very, very central role to play in actually how we respond to daily living. And over years, how our body will then be remodeled into how it looks, acts, and feels. And I think it's interesting to note that the immune system itself is being reformed in a, in a regular basis. Most people don't know that our immune system cells, the cells that are occupied in our body that are doing immune function, are turning over and being replaced about every 120, 90 to 120 days. So something like every three to four months, our immune system is actually made up of different cells than it was the previous three to four months. Now, the question is, those new cells that come in to replace the old cells, are they the same, better, or worse than the ones they're replacing? Right. And what, is, what has been found, and this is, I think, really the aha that um, relates to the answer to your question, what has been found is that over time, uh, individual as they have birthdays, their immune system is less able not more able, but less able to do all the work that it should be doing. And so our immune system aging is directly correlated with our age uh, as a biological organism, the so-called biological age, rather than our age and birthday. So our, our ultimate uh, health and even our longevity is directly related to the, the health and age of our immune system. In fact, scientists are now saying that if you want to predict how long you're going to live, you do so by understanding the age of your immune system. It's the most determinant for our longevity and our health, our so-called health span. So we have kind of taken the immune system from a position of being a, uh, a defender against infection to a whole nother role that it plays right. in, in the 
complex nature of how our body regulates its function over years of living. And there is now evidence uh, recently published uh, studying centenarians, people of 100 years of age and older, and it's been found that in general, they have very, very much younger immune systems uh, than their age and birthdays. Whereas right. people that are chronically ill, uh, when you do studies on the age of their immune system, and there are now scientific methods that can allow us to do that. I could go into it in greater detail if you'd like, but it's been found with people that are chronically ill, like people that have had post-COVID syndrome, mm-hmm. um, are, their immune system is older than their age and birthdays. So then it begs the question, is this a one-way street? I mean, it sounds uh, no one wants their immune system to be older than their age and birthdays. You'd like it to be younger. So right. if you happen to be in a situation you know, like post-COVID or chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia, or I could go down the list of uh, various disorders of the immune system, does it mean you, you're locked in for the rest of your life? And the answer to that question is no, you're not. This is reversible. It's a two-way street. And that's what we which call is immune, amazing. Which that's is what am- we call immunorejuvenation. Okay, that's that's incredible. So I've got a few questions for you. Yeah, because when I was talking about immune system at the at the top of this conversation, I, I was really discussing it in the most simple way that I think most people think about it. Like that's even if some people probably what I said, people some people don't even know that much about it. But I would say at most, most people know that they don't understand all that you just talked about. I think that's probably new for the large majority of people out there. They don't think about it as being, you know, that playing that much of a role in our health and longevity. So I think just understanding that, that point alone is hugely important for people. Um, and I also think the other thing that I just want to ask about, you mentioned how our immune system cells turn over. What did you say? Every 90 to 120 days? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously things we can do there to improve what those new cells look like, right? That's right. And, and to it's, me, it's not boosting. Yeah. Let me let me make a very very important point here because I think there has been a historical view around nutrition and the immune system that we want to boost the immune system. But if you have an injured immune system that's prematurely aged, and it's carrying a bunch of zombie cells around your body. That's what these cells are often called, zombie mm-hmm. cells. They're damaged immune cells. Right. Boosting them doesn't make you better. Yeah. It, make, it may boost the wrong things. What you right. want to do is rejuvenate your immune system to bring yeah. the young, vital immune cells to do the work for you. Right. Well, I, yeah, I always talk about it as supporting your immune system. You want to support the immune system, but I like your term, immunorejuvenation much better than that. So let's talk about immunorejuvenation in a little bit more detail. So what, I mean, you explained the connection to longevity and to, you know, and how your immune system can be the same age, or you could be younger or older than your biological age, but can you explain immunorejuvenation even further? Like what do you do to, let's say you're someone that has had COVID or has fibromyalgia or has been sick, or is just someone that has a has a poor immune system, what can they do to make sure that every 90 to 20 days, they're now, they're kind of, they're breaking the cycle, they're reversing some of the damage, and they're, they are improving those new cells that come to be every, every cycle? I think you've asked the most singular important question in our society today. If we- in- <laughs> Who knew? Boo! I, yeah. want like, I want like bells to go off here. Precisely. 
If if we really have expectations that we would like to live a hundred years of healthy living and mm-hmm. and celebrate our hundredth birthday, um, then we need to be thoughtful about our immune systems. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some people are genetically fortunate; they were born with a collection of genes that are resilient against all sorts of things, and they seem to survive against all odds and and do well into their centurion age, but that's the exception, not the rule. Most Mm -hmm. individuals who uh, are successful in living with vital health and increased health span uh, into their 100-year birthday are individuals that have had certain kind of dietary and lifestyle habits that are associated, as we study them from a scientific perspective, with what we call immunorejuvenation. Now, I need to say that this term, which um, I coined about three years ago, I'm really quite amazed to see how the body of science has in the last three years picked up on this term or the concept that underlies the term and the mechanism by which our immune system rejuvenates itself is now being central cent, uh, centerpiece in immunology research. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I just uh, did a little survey of the 20, uh, 2023 scientific papers that are around this area of understanding the mechanism by which our immune system can regenerate itself or rejuvenate itself, Mm -hmm. remodel itself. And there are, this last year alone, several hundred papers in the scientific literature that are starting to explore the mechanism by which the body does it. I mean, clearly we've had this process all along, but only recently have we started to understand what that process is. Right. And, And the powerful thing about it is that we've learned that Things that are in our daily living are factors that actually are associated with our ability to rejuvenate our immune system, like how we sleep, the stress we're under, the exposure to toxins, the kind of Mm -hmm. foods we eat, the kind of dietary principles we have, the kind of uh, activity patterns that we have. I mean, things that fall under the concept of, well, these are activities of daily living. Doesn't everybody do this? Doesn't everybody breathe? Doesn't everybody eat? Doesn't everybody sleep? Yes, At some level, probably people do, but not necessarily at levels that are really leading to their immune system getting the best chance to rejuvenate itself. And that's where we're really focusing our energy on how do you do that. Absolutely. And it's so interesting because a a lot of those things that you just mentioned really sound a lot like living a nutritious life. And that's why when I talk about and even 20 plus years ago, when I started my nutrition practice in New York City, I always said I didn't want to just talk about food. I wanted to talk about stress and sleep and your environment and all of these other what I call pillars of a nutritious life, because it isn't just about the food. It's all of these other pillars and it's how they all work together physiologically and behaviorally. I mean, all of the things you mentioned obviously play a role in our immune system, but the environmental factor too uh, seems to have just, I mean, I know our, our, our diet has changed dramatically too over the past, you know, X amount of years, but um, the environmental factor seems to have just, just be getting worse and worse. You know, I, I don't want to say daily, but it seems like definitely monthly and yearly, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. I mean, I read something that Adults take in, I think, approximately 883 particles of microplastic every day. I mean, that just sounds insane to me. Um, and I, and anyway, so I, I know that that has obviously been a huge factor in um, in our not only our immune system but our, our overall health, and that plays a, a huge role in our our health and longevity. So, 
anyway, just wanted to throw that in there because I think the topic of, you mentioned toxins. I think that toxins are just continuing to, to just be more and more harmful, which is why one of the reasons I think we see, you know, autoimmune diseases on the rise as well as many other issues. I absolutely agree with you. You know, if we think that there are more than 50,000 new chemicals that have been introduced into our environment over the last uh, 30 years, um, of which we don't really understand, even naively, the immune mm-hmm. or neurological effects of those chemicals at low level, we, we assume that, you know, because they're at very low level in parts per million or, or part per billion, that they don't have any adverse effect. But some of these have very, very specific uh, effects, even at very low levels, on immune function and on nervous mm-hmm. system function. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're starting to recognize that the whole concept of what's called immunotoxicology and neurotoxicology needs to go beyond that of being poisoned to that of being chronically ill, where you're just damaging your body's ability to right. rejuvenate itself. And good news is that our capability of generating this uh, resilience is within our genetic capabilities. It's just that you need to give the right kind of tools in order to get there. And, and then that begs the question, well, what are the right tools and how do they get personalized? Because no two individuals are identical. So right. do, we, do we have one generic list of things to do or do we have a general list that gets specified to individual needs? And that, that's where I think the, the secret sauce lies in really understanding the individual so you can deliver the message that is most beneficial for their immune defense. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And that's why personalized medicine and nutrition is so incredibly important. You have to look at so many different factors, lifestyle, medical history, genetics, um, you know, uh, availability, access. I mean, there's so many different factors to consider with someone. Um, But for, 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 you know, the sake of our listeners here (laughs) in this moment, we know this is personalized as all nutrition and medicine should be. However, if you had to just pick three things, or you could, you could choose a couple more if you want, but if you had to just pick a few things for someone to start doing right now to improve their immune system and dive into their own immuno rejuvenation, what would those few things be? Yeah, I think there are three things, three areas um, that come out of the nutrition world that have emerged to be very, very primary of importance in rejuvenating the immune system. And when I say these three things, it's probably not going to be a revelation. But what is revelational about it is the understanding of the individual mechanisms by which they work on rejuvenating the immune system and the actual composition of these ingredients that actually Mm -hmm. play this important role to do the heavy lifting. So what are those three things? Um, In no necessary order of priority, these three things are um, polyphenols or flavonoids from the diet, which I will talk more about here in a second. Uh, Number two are um, pre and probiotics that interrelate to the gut microbiome. And number three are uh, essential fatty acids of the omega-3 family that Love. include the pro-resolving mediators that are very important for quenching inflammation. Those three categories uh, are principally important. They form kind of a team uh, of interacting. So one plus one plus one doesn't equal three, it e- equals hundreds. You get a multiplicative effect of synergy uh, when these things are delivered to the body. And we now understand the mechanism by which these occur and why they play principal roles upstream 
uh, or uh, as a root cause for improving our immune system. So it's not we're not talking here again about boosting. We're talking about, as you said, even beyond supporting. We're talking right. about activating the body's rejuvenation process to oh yeah, get, I like get rid rejuvenation of these a lot more. I like rejuvenation a lot more than supporting. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm taking on your word. Of course, <laughs> always give you. You are the one that coined that coined that term. But from now on, not supporting. We don't want to just support. Uh, we don't want to boost for sure. But we don't want to just support. We want to rejuvenate. I love that. So flavanols, pre and probiotics, and the omega three essential fatty acids. I am with you. You are speaking my language. I'm so happy to hear that you just mentioned those three buckets. And I want to dive in. Let's dive into each of them a little bit. Um, and by the way, I'm very happy right now, thinking that not only do I get those things in my food on a daily basis in my diet, but I also take supplements in each of those areas. So I'm feeling. I'm feeling rejuvenated. <laughs> That's I'm why you look like so good. I should be really rejuvenated. <laughs> yes, you look okay. that way. Um, all right. So yeah, let's dive into flavanols. One of my favorites because I mean, I don't even know if you know, but I, I wrote actually my second book that I wrote was all about antioxidants. So um, I'm a, I'm a flavanol fan for a long time. So let let's let's talk. Let's dive into that because I I, I want to know I want to know that um, we know you know the connection from antioxidants in general fight free radicals. Free radicals can cause all kinds of damage, everything from, you know, affecting your immune system, causing increasing inflammation, heart disease, cancer, even wrinkles, all of that. But I want to hear from your perspective um, more about flavanols, your favorite place to get flavanols, and the direct link to the immune system. I want to take a moment to tell you about our podcast sponsor, which I'm a super fan of. In today's fast-paced go-go-go world, it's so easy to get overwhelmed and lose focus, especially when you're trying to accomplish critical tasks that require a sharp mind. If you're looking for a way to support your brain health and stay on top of your game, if you know me at all, you know I'm always looking to do that, well then, you want to know about Cognizant Citicoline. This nutrient helps support brain function and it plays a vital role in nourishing and protecting brain cells. Cognizant Citicoline can help support focus, memory, and attention, promote cognitive performance, and support overall brain health. It's also known for its ability to support brain energy and is backed by numerous studies that show its effectiveness. Whether you're a student, a busy professional, a multitasking parent, or anyone looking to optimize mental clarity and sharpness, adding Cognizant Citicoline to your daily routine can help you achieve those goals and support your brain for the future. It can be found in many different products, including chewables, gummies, beverages, and even cold brew coffee. Visit Cognizant.com for exactly where to find this ingredient, and don't forget to look for Cognizant on the label. But I want to hear from your perspective um, more about flavanols, your favorite place to get flavanols, and the direct link to the immune system. I know that was a lot, but I know you can no, handle no, it. No, that, that was fantastic. <laughs> um, so first of all, I agree entirely with everything that you just said about antioxidants. But n now I want to take a step beyond that. The big, the big deal, the big discovery, and this is new, uh, when I say new, within probably the last uh, five years, it's become much more well understood that the role that these plant-derived nutrients have on health is much more than antioxidants. Yeah. Um, they actually serve as modulators of how our genes are expressed. This mm -hmm. is called epigenetics. Yep. 
This is above our genes. And uh, this is an aha. This is a huge translational new discovery. Uh, nutrition textbooks that are being used to teach nutrition students today are out of date already because these discoveries are so new and so dramatic in changing our view as to the role that these compounds have, which are, by the way, uh, over 5,000 of them in different foods. So these are extraordinarily rich family or families of different um, substances found in different foods, fr fruits and vegetables and, mm -hmm. and, and legumes and so forth. Um, and they play a role, very specific role, through a uh, modulation of cellular processes associated with how our genetic um, information is going to be expressed in the different mm -hmm. cells that become our function. And, you know, I think it's interesting because people still believe about this genetic determinism that we, we are our genes. Well, it, it is true that genes play a big, important role in uh, our operant uh, structure and function. But what is not true is that there is just one way that our genes are expressed. Our right. genes have all sorts of ways they can be expressed. And they're expressed on the basis of the experience that we have in our life, our exposures, our environments, our relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and those particular things that wash over our genes induce what is called epigenetic changes. These are marks that are put on the genes. They are memory effects that put on the genes that, that I, I say are really of two types. One kind of mark is kind of putting a um, paperclip on the pages of the book of life saying, don't read these pages. The other kind of uh, epigenetic mark uh, is like a sticky note you put on your book saying, read here. Right. So you've got these sticky notes and you've got these paper clips that are stuck onto your, your genes that tell the body how it's going to actually participate in how it does its work and how it looks and acts and feels. And it turns out that what has been discovered is these uh, flavonoids, polyphenols from these fruits and vegetables, vegetable products, have extraordinarily important roles in modulating how our genes are expressed. Mm -hmm. They're like the gen the shop bosses, like the executive centers that upstream are telling the body uh, how it's going to perform and behave in response to your environment. Mm -hmm. So this is By much the way, more I feel like sorry, sorry, not to not to interrupt you, but I feel like we got to give a shout out to our friend who who was one of the people, one of the two people that introduced us at IHS, Yael Jaffe here from 3X4. I feel like because this is um, I mean, this this is her whole her whole space and, and what, what she does and what she focuses on. So I feel like I have had to mention, you know, that, that Yael Jaffe was one of the ones that introduced us along with Ashley Koff, right? At IHS. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. You're just, you're bringing her nutrition. to my, you're bringing, I'm thinking of her as you're talking about this. So as you're talking about the epigenetics, so had to give her a little shout out there. <laughs> well, I actually, when the three of us, when the three of you had the chance to, to get together with me, I felt this was like the vortex of energy. The three of you were like <laughs> wellspring of, of knowledge and energy. So, yeah, oh. it was quite a conversation. Yeah, no, uh, that was so fun. Anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt, but, you know, just felt no, like I no, had to give a little, you. A, little, a little 3x4 love there. Absolutely. I've known Yale for, for many years, and she is definitely a leader in the nutrigenomics uh, area, that w without question. Um, so this, this concept of different foods that are rich in these, uh, these polyphenols and flavonoids mm -hmm. is, is really an important thing. And if you look at Dan Butner's work on the Blue Zones yep. and actually start to ask the question, what are the diets that these people in Blue Zones eat? And they're varied diets because the people that live in Costa Rica are different than the people who live in Vilcabamba or different than the people who live right. in the Philippines and so forth. But 
If you look at their dietary composition, they all consume very high levels of polyphenols and flavonoids mm -hmm. in their diet from their vegetable uh, components of their diet. And those polyphenols have these important roles to regulate how genes are expressed through this, these epigenetic, epi meaning above the genes type of mechanisms. We got involved with this, as you know, uh, Sherry, or Carrie, a number of years ago with uh, a discovery of this kind of forgotten food that was actually one of the foods that our ancestors who came over and were the early colonists brought with them from Europe that actually came through Marco Polo's exploration into Asia, and it's called uh, tartary buckwheat. And right. tartary buckwheat is uh, was a big food that our early ancestors here in the United States, uh, pre-United States colonial period, were consuming. And somehow about 200 years ago, it got lost. Uh, it got replaced by the cultivars of wheat and soy and barley and oats and so forth. And we don't we didn't have tartary buckwheat available. We kind of rediscovered it a number of years ago as a, as a fortuitous uh, kind of coincidence with a series of events. Um, and we found there was only one person that was actually growing it in the United States at the time. This is uh, about three to four years ago. He was a former uh, agricultural research professor uh, from Cornell. Uh, and he and his uh, nurse wife had a hobby farm in uh, outside of Ithaca, Angelica, New York. And, and they had gotten these seeds uh, from the USDA that he did collaborative research with USDA. Mm -hmm. And so he'd gotten these seeds and he they were just labeled with a number. He didn't really know what they were. And he started growing them. He really, this is almost like a Jack and the Beanstalk story. He really yeah. liked the way the plants grew. They were very pretty. Um, he then later found out that they were a form of buckwheat, but they were not. The, and by the way, buckwheat is not a wheat. That's, that's right. a, I don't even know how it got its name. It's not even related uh, yeah. genetically. I, to I wanted wheat. to mention that because anyone th anyone hearing this and uh, you know that might be gluten free or buckwheat is actually gluten free. It yes. is not. It is not a wheat. I always and I know. I think that that for for good reason. Um, many people get confused with that. So I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, buckwheat in and itself is is a really good food, so I, I don't want to sound anything disparaging about buckwheat. But it turns out that tartary buckwheat, and a specific form of tartary buckwheat, which uh, comes from the Himalayan mountains called Himalayan tartary buckwheat, which is a variant of the tartary buckwheat form. By the way, the word tartary comes from uh, the Tartan district of China. That's where these originally, mm -hmm. and this is one of the oldest uh, foods. This and millet are the two oldest foods that were um, husband by humans uh, 4,000 years ago. So this is a very, very old food. And right. it turns out that because it lives in this very hostile environment in the Himalayan mountain regions, uh, and it gets cold and it gets hot and it gets droughts and it's bad soil and so forth and mm -hmm. so on, a lot of radiation at high altitude, uh, in order to survive over the, over the millennia, it evolved uh, its defense mechanism. The immune system of the tartary buckwheat plant is extraordinarily active, uh, and it can live under very uh, challenging circumstances. It's one of the reasons it was a good food for our colonial ancestors. It, didn't need, it was resistant to bugs. It didn't need any fertilizer. It didn't need pesticides. It didn't even need to be watered. It uh, was really very, very hardy. It even can live in, in poor quality aluminum-rich soils. And so when we started studying tartary buck, we've, uh, we found that lo and behold, if you analyze its, uh, its phytochemical composition, the plant-derived mm -hmm. chemicals of which the flavonoids are a major part, mm -hmm. we found there were over 150 different uh, flavonoids. And not wow. only were they 
a lot of different ones, they were in very, very high levels. In fact, it's 50 to 100 times higher in certain flavonoids than is common buckwheat. Not just 50 percent. I'm saying 50 to 100 times. Wow. It's like a pharmaceutical plant for the immune system. And so we Yeah. Well, and just as a frame of reference for people, just so they understand that traditional buckwheat um, is a high nutrient dense, high in antioxidants, you know, grain. It's a, it's a, it's already extremely nutrient dense. So when you're saying that 50 times more flavanols, you're not comparing that to something like a highly processed white bread. You're comparing that to an already super nutrient dense grain. Exactly. Thank you. So I just want I just want people to understand sort of the the difference there because buckwheat in general, like you already mentioned, is a good nutrient dense food, and and so I think that that's really I think that just shows gives it even deeper perspective. Thank you. So we got so invested in this <laughs> because of yeah. our interest in the immune system that eventually um, I formed a relationship with. Uh, uh, Sam Beer, the uh, owner of the Angelica Farms with his, w- with his wife. And we bought their Angelica Mills. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now have a consortium of organic farmers who are growing tartary buckwheat in upstate New York for us. I've got my hands in the soil. We're regenerative agriculture uh, aficionados. Um, Incredible. Which, and, and it's been a really uh, extraordinary adventure for, for me and my colleagues that, that really is why we started this little company called Big Bold Health, because we yeah. thought we were on to something that was really quite bold and quite unique that had, has a big idea as it relates to the immune system. So as we got studying this in, in greater detail and started producing enough that we got chefs involved and we got you know recipe books and guides and so forth, so we could really start to see how we could uh, re, re, well, bring this, this product back into the American commerce. Then we, we discovered something, and I thought, this is, I'm now giving you brand new insider information. Uh, love it, for, love it, just for our listeners here. Yes, yes <laughs> it's the first time ever I think I've talked about this. We, I um, love it. We were looking at what happens in the germination product uh, pr- process of mm-hmm. uh, uh, Himalayan tartary buckwheat seed. These seeds are very unique. They're very tough, and they have a hard uh, shell on them, and uh, that's probably why they can survive for hundreds of years without having been germinated. And and so we um, we started really looking at the germination process of the tartary buckwheat seed ultimately into the tartary buckwheat plant. And um, now having fields of, of the, the plant that we grow and, and harvest in, in our uh, organic farms, we thought, what's, what's with the germination process itself? So we started looking at different days of sprouting, of two-day sprouts, four-day sprouts, six-day sprouts, and, and mm-hmm. just analyzing the nutrient content of the sprouts as they grew up into a plant. And we found that uh, there was a specific point when the sprouts were growing that their nutrient levels were so high we couldn't believe it. In fact, they were five times higher in polyphenols than was the final seed that we harvest to make flour. So when I said that, when I said you have 50 times more to a hundred times more certain flavonoids in tartary buckwheat flour than you do normal buckwheat flour. Now we can have five times that amount in In the, the, in the sprouted powder. Yes. So we, we are now producing for the first time ever, organically produce Himalayan tartary buckwheat sprout powder, which two teaspoons 
of that sprout powder provides as many uh, immune-strengthening polyphenols as a half a cup of the flour or three cups of normal buckwheat. Oh, that's, so now, that's amazing. We're using nature as kind of our right. our ally here to do the work well, for us. That's it. a good question. So, so actually, that that makes me think of a good question. I think um, if you don't want to use the flour and if, of the sprouted or just or the Himalayan tartary buckwheat, and and you're not going to use the flour, how else can you consume this? What other forms can you get it in? Can you get it in a supplement form? Yeah, you know, we've worried about that because uh, not everybody is a baker. Not everybody spends a lot of time in the kitchen. And right. so we, we thought we have to find multiple ways of making this available. So we do have this whole uh, concentrate of the Himalayan turtle buckwheat in a, a sprout, excuse me, in a uh, shake mix. We mm-hmm. call it a superfood. We also have it in capsule form, in concentrated form. Uh, so Several okay. different delivery systems, sprouts, okay. flour, shake yeah. mix, capsules. Well, that's what I was wondering, actually, the shake mix. Like, could you just take the flour and put it in a smoothie? Or, but you actually, you, you tweaked it. What's the difference between what you call the shake mix and then just the flour? Yeah, thank you. The, the uh, shake mix is a complete nutritional blend of all the kind of vitamins and minerals that are immune supportive and as okay, well as got protein. It. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a meal, basically. Got it. Uh, okay. With added the HTV. And by the way, just to, as an aside, we don't recommend uh, the flour itself to be eaten raw. You can take the uh, okay, sprout that's powder why, raw, that's, yeah. but, the, but the flour really needs to be cooked uh, into some kind of a, a, a product. We have okay. a whole recipe guide for that. Okay, amazing. Uh, so, I mean, it sounds like everybody should be consuming some Himalayan tartary uh, buckwheat. That's, <laughs> but that's let's just my say- belief. Let's just say people are not, they do not have their hands on that yet, or they, or they're not interested in that. Just what are some of your other favorite ways to get flavanols into the diet on a daily basis? Since like you said, they're one of those three nutrients that you believe everybody should be consuming for maximum immune rejuvenation. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think the simple rule here is that any vegetable or fruit, fruit product that has a color to it, a natural color. Right. By the nature of that, has a unique family of various types of phytochemicals that are associated with the flavonoid or polyphenol family. So, you can you can you know as my colleague Dr. Deanna Minnick has said, eat the rainbow. So as right. you eat with different uh, food and vegetable products of different colors, orange, red, blue, um, yellow, uh, you're you're getting different families of these important. Uh, phytochemicals that modulate then the immune system in very specific ways. So I think, again, that's a, a good rule of thumb is, is eat the rainbow, try to have as many portions as you can each day of, uh, of fruit and vegetable materials in their state of still retaining their natural goodness. Yep. Amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I am with you there. Um, let's talk a little bit more about gut health. And it also connects back to one of the other uh, three things that you mentioned that people should be thinking about when it comes to immune rejuvenation, which is pre and probiotics. And as you mentioned, um, over 60, and I actually, I thought it was over 70, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to you here. Um, percent of the immune cells live in the gut. So we know that our gut health is critical for, I mean, so many things for our brain health, um, for our overall health, and specifically for our immune health. 
And as you mentioned, pre and probiotics are critical for that. Um, just a little re refresher for everyone. Prebiotics are not bacteria. They are really the food for the non-digestible compounds that, that serve as food sources for the healthy bacteria, those probiotics in your gut. And then the probiotics are the good bacteria. So they're good bacteria. They offer some health benefit to you. So prebiotics, food for probiotics, probiotics, the good bacteria. Um, so as you mentioned, Jeff, you like pre and probiotics for your immuno rejuvenation plan. What are your favorite ways to get in your pre and probiotics? Yeah, thank you. Once again, this is an area that really we've been doing quite a, a deep dive. Um, so it turns out that when we talk about food for your friendly bacteria, the prebiotic foods, um, these bacteria are, have selective appetites. And uh, so different types of friendly bacteria have different things that they like to eat uh, as prebiotic foods. So it used to be we just talked about fiber in a generic sense, like increase the fiber in your diet. And, and I think that's a good tool. Uh, right. It's a good, it's a good start for most people that aren't getting enough fiber in their diet, right? Yes. But then within the concept of fiber are many, many different specific types of prebiotic materials that are mm -hmm. we call non-digestible carbohydrates, like uh, one that would have a name that would be probably very esoteric to most people is called D-chiro-inositol. And uh, it's found in certain kind of food products that actually turns out to be fairly high in, in uh, tartary buckwheat. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it is a fiber uh, prebiotic material that um, improves certain bacteria that are associated with the reduction in, uh, in women of uh, premenstrual, excuse me, of uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm. And so mm. there's quite a bit of research on, on the DCI, uh, decarbonositol, and, and PCOS. So... You can also look at uh, forms that are associated uh, with the uh, reduction of what's called um, gut permeability or leaky gut. And, mm -hmm. you know, what are some of the fibers, arapinogalactans and xylogalactans, fructans? These are all names that, that uh, food chemists put on some of these different fibers. What I have found is that there is a very interesting interrelationship between the microbes that are friendly in our gut and the foods that they like to eat, if you go to the sources in nature where those fibers mm -hmm. are found and you find those bacteria generally hang out with them, they could be in the roots, they could be right. on the skin of the fruits. So there is this, this um, lineage <laughs> of right. connection between our soil and our soil bacteria, between our plants and their bacteria and they're the fiber materials that are in them, and then ultimately us and our immune systems and our gut bacteria. So it's it we we consider very strongly that the planet is connected to the soil, which is connected right. to the plants, it's connected to us. Right, right. And it's that symbiotic relationship, right, where we find the pre and probiotics together. That's, exa that's exactly right. And one of the things that we uh, actually learned when we were first um, kind of getting more uh, comfortable in, in understanding tartary buckwheat was that in order to make the flour, we would have to dehull the, the seeds. And that, that's about 25% of the weight of the seed was this material that actually was very, very coarse and was very... Um, 
not something you could really consume and enjoy. So we were throwing that away as we made the flower. And then I I got the idea. I said, "Well, well, just a minute here. When we sprout these seeds, the sprouts have their own ability to kind of convert some of that coarse uh, right. home material into digestible or u- utilizable fiber. So now our Helene Tartary Buckwheat Sprout Powder has all the natural fibers that have already been pre-digested, so to speak, mm-hmm. by the sprouting process. So nature has this wisdom in it. We just have to right. sometimes learn from nature. It, We've it, gotten way too far away from nature for the most part, I would say, on our uh, on, on a daily basis. I mean, you're you're right there in nature, and I'm loving it. Everything you're doing is is really, like you said, going back to nature, um, and I, I I love that. I mean, even just like you mentioned millet before, you know, it's an ancient grain. Right, Tartar, Himalayan tartary buckwheat is an ancient grain. Um, like your goat, like we got to get back, right? We got to get back to the earth and the way nature intended food to be. Here, here, uh, I totally what, agree. Yeah, but by, by what, the way, just to just to let people know, um, the Himalayan tartary buckwheat certainly looks like a grain, but it actually is not a grain. It's a fruit seed. It's not okay. a grain, right. so it, right. it's, it's an interesting variation on seeds. I guess it's a. If you're watching the video here, you can see it's a grain, but it's not a grain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those were some air quotes there, people, for just people that are listening. Right? It's it's like it's like we call quinoa a grain. It's not a grain. It's a seed. Right. Right. Sort of the same thing. It's a fruit seed. So yeah. l- let's go back to your your point about the pre and probiotics. So one of the things that we we did, which I think has been a really great step forward, is that we took the uh, what we had learned from tartary buckwheat and, and its prebiotic fiber, and we started looking around at, at uh, probiotic organisms that, that really like that prebiotic fiber, that, that flourish in the presence of that tartary buckwheat uh, fiber. And we found a, a strain that had been actually highly studied in human uh, research called Lactobacillus rhamnosus uh, 1505 a specific strain of, of a lactobacillus bacilli a probiotic organism. And it turns out it really likes the, the fiber that's uh, found in tartary buckwheat. And there are clinical trials that have actually been done in humans, actually even in children. Over 14,000 children have studied been studied looking at lowered absenteeism and better school uh, performance with taking this, this probiotic organism. Mm. So we put the probiotic organism lactobacillus, and then we also found a unicellular uh, microgreen, an algae that was very high in, in a specific beta-glucan. That's another non-digestible fiber that has strong immune potentiating ability that has a lot of human clinical studies showing, again, uh, lower URIs, upper respiratory infections, you know, lower absenteeism, better recovery from colds and flu. So we combine those together, the, um, the microalgae, the euglena actually, uh, uh, together with the probiotic organism, the lactobacillus rhamnosus, and the, the fibers and polyphenols from tartary buckwheat. We put it into a product called Microbiome Rejuvenate, and that has been an unbelievable product in the way we're getting feedback from people taking it. It's, uh, uh, I, I'm just overwhelmed with the positive response that people are having that had long-term digestive problems or uh, problems if they have food allergic type responses. They're, they're really having good response to this formulation. So I, I think we've, we're using nature kind of symbiotically in this, this product. And actually, we won... Uh, in 2023, we won the Product of the Year Award in the immune category with uh, the development of that product. Incredible. So, 
Yeah, that's incredible. And and just to, again, just sort of to take it down a notch for people, just if you're learning about prebiotics for the first time and you hadn't really thought about them before, and when you think about your gut health, you're just thinking about, you know, first just getting in some fiber and you might know a little bit about pr- probiotics, but prebiotics, you can also find naturally in certain foods like chicory root, Jerusalem artichoke, garlic, and onions. So just again, for some people that are just sort of getting their feet wet with the pre and probiotic conversation, there are those are some other ways that you can get prebiotics into your diet on a regular basis. Very well stated. Yes. And again, goes back to, um, I say, eat close to the earth. Things that look like they once grew in the ground <laughs> have a lot of nutritional value. And, and these prebiotic fibers are one of those. Yeah. There's so much more I want to talk to you about. I could talk to you for hours and hours. I learned so much from you. This is so fascinating. I absolutely love what you are doing with Big Bold Health. So I have one more question for you before I ask you to tell everyone where they can find all of this information. And we will put all the information in the show notes as well, but I want you to tell them as well. My last question for you, you know what a nutritious life is all about. How do you on a daily basis sort of ignite your living a nutritious life? How do you, like, what's that one thing that you do on a daily basis to sort of put that nutritious life in motion? Well, you know, I think you said it beautifully earlier. I couldn't say it better than you said it. And that is nutritious life. Nutrition comes from many different things. It's not just the food we eat. We're nourished by the relationships we have. We're nourished by being present in nature. We're, we're nourished by reading a good book, listening to poetry, I mean, we're fed on so many different levels. So a nutritious life mm-hmm. is a portfolio. It's a, it's a canvas of all sorts of information that signals to our body a smiling immune system. And it, I wake up every day thinking about how can I construct uh, out of my day ways that my body is rejoicing the opportunity to be present. It's, it's living a nutritious life. Ooh, and, love uh, that. I just got the chills. That's good. And I like well, that. I like you. the canvas analogy, that whole thing. I love it. Well, thank you. That, that's kind of my, you know, then, then we get down into the piece parts of, of, the, of the details. Okay, then what does that mean? Well, for me, you know, I, 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 because I'm, I'm a type A behavior person, I've got to kind of manage the stress, manage the uh, hyperfunction, got to manage the sleep. So I use a sleep monitor to kind of make sure I'm on my sleep hygiene program. You know, I have certain tools that I'm using that are related to my uh, uniqueness as, as I've observed them over the 77 years of living. So I, I think that that's, that's kind of how I embrace each day. Incredible. Amazing. Like I said, we've got so much more to talk about. We're going to have to have you back on to talk about lots more things, everything else going on at Big Bold Health. I want to talk to you about inflammation in our next conversation. And yeah, I could, like I said, could just talk to you forever. But in the meantime, everyone listening, flavanols, pre and probiotics, and those omega-3 essential fatty acids, those are three things you can incorporate into your daily nutrition that can really help you on your journey to immunorejuvenation. Thank you so much, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Um, and lastly, where can everyone find you and everything about Big Bold Health? Um, they can go to bigboldhealth.com. We've got a pretty little 
large amounts of resources. They can download there about this whole immunorejuvenation concept, or they can also go to jeffreybland.com. That's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y bland, B-L-A-N-D.com. And uh, there we have, again, I don't know, 30 years worth of stuff we've stuck in there for people to access <laughs> if they're interested. So, yeah. Incredible. Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, Carrie, it's my pleasure. And you're doing a fantastic job in, in sending the information that is so valuable for people. So Aww. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that means so much from you. Thank you so much. 